0: Chapter 5 The Kingfisher The small vessel's interior consisted of little more than a pilot's seat and an upholstered bench with restraints for three passengers. Rass found himself absentmindedly running his padded hand over the impeccable workmanship of the silver trim set in a sparkling white pearlescent material. The instrumentation gave off a purple-hued glow. So, Rass said, finally breaking the silence, you fly on the Kingfisher? The Kingfisher? Is there another one I should be aware of? "'The man inquired, genuinely interested. "'He flicked three switches to engage the engines. "'The sudden noise caused Rast to jump. "'Uh, no,' Rast said, fumbling to secure his restraint "'and readying himself to be shoved back into his seat. "'It's just said to be a go-ship.' "'That's very interesting to hear. "'Brace yourself.' "'He pulled a lever and a steering wheel telescope "'from the dashboard to meet his hands. "'He tilted the controls back and pressed a button on the console. "'With an explosive hiss, the ship shot directly upward.' Having prepared for a launch forward, Rast nearly slipped out of his seat but for his restraint. He didn't recall seeing any rotors atop the ship, and as the vessel reached its apex and began to drop, he realized it didn't have any. The man pulled back on a lever and the ship rocketed forward, slamming Rast back into his seat. The back of his head smacked into the high padded back of the bench. He guessed it was an intentional feature. And so your employer is Al Napier the fourth? Rass asked, trying to be casual as he watched Verdun zip beneath him at a rate he found both exhilarating and terrifying. No. Fifth? No, he said more sharply this time. And may I suggest you refrain from that line of questioning when you meet him? If you'd like something for your throat, I can prepare a tonic once we've reached our cruising altitude. That, um, that would be nice, Rass said. Thank you. Through the wide curved windshield, Rass could see a grand vista of clouds including dozens of airships racing towards them. Rast recognized them as standard merchantmen, moving at a much quicker pace than usual. The man pulled the ship into a climb to avoid colliding with any of the merchant vessels, giving him perspective on what caused the wind merchants to flee. Bravo Company. Their flagship, the Dauntless, was an old dreadnought from the Clockwork War. Body corroded black and rigid balloon painted red with a crude rendering of crossed axes and a grinning skull. The ship itself was nearly a mile long and bristling with guns. A score of smaller airships and biplanes with the same logo emblazoned across their hulls accompanied the Dauntless, idly chasing and firing their weapons at the slower wind merchant vessels as they neared the floating city. "'How is Hal going to save Verdant from India Bravo?' Rass asked. "'He has his ways,' the man casually said. "'But Verdant is too valuable for her to sink.' "'How are you going to save us from India Bravo?' The man hefted back on the controls, gaining altitude into the fleet below became tiny specks. Rass's ears popped as he looked out the window, then recoiled back. He had never been up this high and wondered if a cannibal could even reach them. How? I pulled back on the controls. I thought you of all people would be familiar with flight mechanics, the man said before leveling off after a minute of hard climbing. He unfastened his restraints and stood, nearly grazing his white hair against the ceiling. Tonic? He reached into a small box and pulled out a glass bottle with a screw-on cap. The label was in an unfamiliar language. Ras turned his attention from the window to his bandaged hand as the man pressed the bottle into his mitt. The idea of actually meeting the man his father had told bedtime stories about buckled his mind. He wasn't certain what he was going to see or if this howl was an imposter, but it occurred to Ras that whoever this was might be the same person that his father had claimed to have received a mission from, if old Harley had heard his rumors right. There was little to nothing he could do for Verdon right now aside from helping out in the engine for damage control. A twinge of guilt gnawed at him, but he forced it to the back of his mind by telling himself he would do more good by meeting with Hal. He just wished he could explain his actions without being deemed insane. He undid the bandages on his hands before unscrewing the bottle cap to take a swig of the burning liquid. His eyes watered and throat tingled, prompting a cough. After pounding his chest with his fist to drive away the tickling sensation, Rast managed to croak. You wouldn't happen to remember a man named Elias Veer? The man let the moment sink in. I had wondered when you were going to ask about that, but who else were you going to ask me about, honestly? He flipped a lever and spoke into the communit unit in a foreign language before receiving a confirmation. Yes, I knew your father for a brief time. You were sitting where he did when I ferried him to Mr. Napier. He pulled back once more, forcing the ship to climb, deepening the sinking feeling in Rass's stomach. Ah, here we are. Ahead gleamed the white ship Rass recognized from the brief glimpse in Framer's Valley, the Kingfisher. In what seemed to be no time the shuttle made a landing, no, a rejoining, with the kingfisher, becoming one with the larger vessel. After a surprising snap hiss that made Rass's ears pop again, the airtight seal sent wind rushing in to fill the cabin, and a light purple glow emanated from the ship. Mr. Veer, if you would be so kind as to follow me, the man said. Rass obliged and stood, stretching his legs. He walked from the shuttle to the corridor lined with a half dozen rooms on either side of the hallway. Between the doors hung artwork of landscapes, ranging from crude to masterfully done. Clouds, mountain peaks, plains, bodies of water. Rass had to make sure not to linger on the pre-atmo artwork. Callie would have loved it, but the thought of her staying on Verdon drained any joy from the thought of him describing the paintings to her. They came to a door at the end of the corridor. "'Mr. Napier awaits,' he said, bowing slightly as he pulled the door open for Rass. The circular study was filled with books, models of airships, and a very impressive telescope that cut through the center of a dome ceiling.' Glass walls flooded the room with sunshine. In the center stood a man looking to be in his early sixties. He hunched over a painting on the easel, scrutinizing the brush strokes, applying a few more. He wore a dark brown smoking jacket and had a neatly trimmed white beard that continued into a short haircut for a matching set. Mr Napier, the man guiding Rass said, announcing his presence, may I present to you mister Erasmus Veer? Halcyon Napier looked up from his painting, standing to a height at least a head taller than Ras. "'He appeared as virile as a man in his forties. "'He smiled and leisurely strode over to Rass "'with the hand extended. "'About time,' he said, "'grabbing Rass's half-extended arm "'and giving his hand two firm pumps, "'forcing Rass to contain a grimace. "'He motioned to a couple of wing-backed chairs "'next to the easel. "'Come, please have a seat.' "'He turned to the man with the hat. "'Thank you, Deus. "'You may retire until I have need of you.' "'Very good, sir.' "'With that, Deus left the room. "'Rass sat uneasily in the leather chair.' creaked loudly, but it was the softest leather he had ever felt considering there hadn't been an easily ready supply in a century. Hal sat across from him then leaned forward. For a few moments he studied Rass from head to toe. You got big, he said. That phrase always confounded Rass. One summer when he was 13 he shot up six inches but hadn't grown at all since, yet people throughout his teenage years kept asking how much he had grown recently. All that aside, it was a peculiar conversation starter and Rass had no clue how to respond. Your father showed me a picture of you ten years ago. Verdant is under attack, Rass said, right now. The clarity in his voice surprised him. The tonic had done more than he expected. Hal's disposition slid from welcoming to grave. I am aware. Rass turned and pointed to the door Deus had exited. He said you could do something. Straight to business. I can appreciate that, Hal said with a nod. Rass studied Hal's response. Whomever sat in front of him definitely resembled the pictures of Hal Napier from the history books. Deus, Rass said as though trying out the name, also mentioned there was a way to save Verdant. That's an entirely different type of saving, but we'll get to that, don't you worry. He leaned over to a side table and picked up a newspaper with a photo of Rass on the courthouse steps with the words, I'm so sorry, in dark bold print, as if Rass needed a reminder. I am told you were neighbors with the Torbillions. How are they? Rass shot up from his chair. Sir, with all due respect, people are dying out there and you're trying to make small talk. The talk I make is never small, Hal said. Now please, sit. I have already put in a call to the Collective to put a stop to it. You can do that? Rass asked, his frustration allayed for a moment. The Collective's absence from the ball made him wonder how long it would take for them to arrive and how much damage Verdant would suffer in the meantime. Indirectly, a shallow grin crept across his lips. Verdant is not without her defenses either. She will survive this. He waited for Rass to sit before he continued. Now. The torbillions They're on Verdant. How good can they be right now? Ras shrugged. How do you know them? Hal rose from his chair and began walking toward one of his book displays. Would you care to wager a guess as to why I'm in Verdant? Rass thought for a moment. Because the Kingfisher has a scoop engine and got stuck after I killed the last source of energy in the area? Hal laughed. That's a good guess, but No. Let me simply say that I'm always looking for a good man and you've captured my attention. What specifically are you looking for? Redemption, he said, then after a pause. For you. He picked up a book from the shelf, idly flipping through its brittle pages, then tossed it back onto a desk. For me, I'm looking for a properly motivated wind merchant with enough grit to retrieve what I need. For a great reward. Rascocked cocked an eyebrow. "'You should probably hear what I need before you fill your head with possibilities.' His voice darkened yet remained kind. "'Erasmus, have you ever traveled outside of the bowl?' "'Once, when I was little.' "'Then you should well understand that there is a big world out there with many things that defy one's understanding. that can challenge a way one believes the world to run.' "'Like magic?' Ras asked. "'No, not like magic. Well, yes, like magic in that you don't understand it, but not magic.' If you'd like, you may now ask the obvious question you've been holding in, Hal said casually. How are you still alive? How are you still alive? An excellent question and one that should indeed be asked. The short answer is that the kingfisher keeps me alive, he paused. Well, that's not entirely true. It helps, though. Hal appeared to lose himself in thought for a moment. I was born 164 years ago, if that sets the stage. Rass let out an inadvertent laugh. "'I'm sorry, I just have a hard time believing that.' "'Your belief does not determine the truth of me,' Hal said, stifling any pithy response from Rass. "'Your father also had difficulty believing everything, but he believed in what I offered.' "'Which was?' "'A solution,' Hal said. "'Very similar to the solution you are after for your problem. "'Out of curiosity, how did you destroy the Convergence?' "'I collected it with my ship,' Rass said. "'Simple as that?' Hal asked, snapping his fingers. I think so. Why? It's poetic, is all, Hal said. What I need is a full tank of wind. Ras chose not to go into the bothersome detail like his ship being sold for scrap. Why do I get the sense this wind isn't easy to track? Oh, it's not going anywhere, Hal said, but getting to it is the challenge. Are you familiar with the Wild? Nobody's familiar with the Wild. Not since the Clockwork War, and I doubt anyone was even before that, Ras said. I heard all of the mountain passes were collapsed after the war. I do remember mentioning it being a challenge. I wouldn't offer to save verdant for a menial task," Hal said. I need a full tank of air from a very specific set of coordinates within the borders of the wild to filter into this ship. My last batch is running thin. Rast suddenly became aware of the air he was breathing. He wished he could feel the difference from breathing air from the wild, as though whatever medicinal properties it contained could be sensed and described. "'If you're wondering, this isn't going to make you live forever,' Hal said, swirling a hand to mimic a current. "'It doesn't work like that. Besides, the air in here has been recycled far too many times.' "'But you sealed the elders up in the wild.' "'Not entirely sealed,' Hal corrected. "'No, you can't fly higher than those mountains, but there is still one mountain pass, narrow and winding, that leads into the wild. "'For years I had wind merchants bring me tankfuls of wind from the wild by taking up whatever poured out of the pass.' But my last several couriers failed their missions. The air wasn't concentrated enough at the mouth of the pass? No, they just never returned. <laughs> I'm not trying to put myself out of a job here, Rass said, but why don't you just fly this thing over the mountain range? Hal smiled. I used to. The elders didn't appreciate my presence. So, you need me to fly into the wild and collect a concentrated amount of whatever it is on the wind that keeps you young? Rask asked. I'm sorry, who's giving the job offer? Hal retorted. Rask wondered if he had crossed a line by saying that Hal needed anyone. But yes, that is the overall gist of what I am looking for. Why did my father return? Of that I cannot be certain. The elders are very territorial. "'They're just clockwork men, though,' Ras said. "'Shouldn't they have wound down after a century?' "'That's a very rudimentary assumption,' Hal said. "'I'm just curious why you think I could do something that killed my father.' "'As I said, I looked for properly motivated wood merchants.' "'You mean those desperate enough to attempt a suicide mission?' "'Rass countered. "'The job began to lose its sheen. "'Was your father a desperate man?' Hal asked rhetorically. "'Forgive me. "'Elias sought me, not the other way around.' After the winnower had been completed, he was one of the few that saw the expiration date stamped on the city. But he was one of the rare breed bold enough to do something about it. How can you say verdant? Rass asked. One does not discover the origin of all energy without making sure one is properly invested in the right places. He smiled. Compound interest is a beautiful thing. As is living 164 years, Rass said. Hal blinked then focused on the world far below. The merits of that are debatable," he said coldly. Rass caught Hal's reflection in the glass. For a moment he wondered if Hal earned the steel in his gaze from living through the Clockwork War and the Great Overload. But money doesn't make a convergence. Hal let a dark chuckle escape, lost in a memory. Let us hope not. He turned to look back at Rass. Helios engines, he said with renewed vigor. Helios engines to keep Verdant aloft are what this situation calls for. As little as I care for the system that the Helios family created for Atmo, it far outweighs the loss of life required for a convergence. But what about fuel? I am willing to pay for a supply of fuel from the Collective as long as I am alive, which is a better offer than most can make. Hold on. How much of the Collective do you own? Not enough to make any business decisions, but enough to put a dent in them if I pull out, he said. I used to be more involved before they lost their way. I have one more question. Rass said. ''Yes?'' ''Why offer this to the guy that caused the city to start sinking out of ineptitude? Every wind merchant on Verdant is properly motivated.'' ''I think you're trying to put yourself out of a job again, Erasmus,'' Ras thought. ''No, I just want to understand your motivation.'' Hell Napier smiled with a hint of sadness behind his eyes. ''There's just something fitting when a man puts right his wrongs.'' He let the silence linger for a moment. How soon will your ship be ready? Rass felt his heart begin to pound. He stood from his chair and stuffed his hands in his pockets so Hal wouldn't notice them shaking. I'll need a week to get my affairs in order, he said with no idea where he would find a functioning wind merchant vessel or collect the means to procure one. Three days, Hal countered. My air is running thin. Rass felt Hal was being unreasonable, but it wasn't like he had any bargaining chips. All right, but if I don't see you in three days... I'll be sending Deus to find someone else. Hal extended his hand. Do we have an understanding? The shuttle's return path avoided Bravo Company by keeping a high altitude until it was high above the tiny glowing speck of Verdant. Smoke trailed away. A third of the city was in flames. While no ship actively attacked Verdant, Bravo Company hung in a sphere around the city, dissuading any escape attempts. Several ships lay wrecked, leaving scars of debris through buildings and streets. Ras tried to spot if his neighborhood was one of the areas on fire, and breathed a sigh of relief when he saw much of the residential zone remained untouched. The docks had been targeted, and many of the ships suffered for it. Let us hope your ship is all right," Deus said. "Can you put us down in front of my house?" Ras asked. The shuttle dove, but pulled up with the deafening release of steam to pad its landing. Daes turned in his chair, offering Rass a slip of paper with coordinates to the Kingfisher's location over the next three days, and warned Rass not to tell people of his meeting with Hal as Hal didn't want his presence in the area known. The cabin's sealed door opened, letting in the sounds of chaos. The low rumble of a fire mixed with screams and shouts in the distance unnerved Rass. A lot had happened in the last couple of hours. "'How am I supposed to make it past Bravo Company?' Rass asked. I was under the impression you had no difficulty flying underneath the cloud level, Deus said. They're interested in overtly showing their strength, not risking their lives by hiding. Right. Rass turned and began to exit the shuttle. He stopped, looked back at Deus. How old are you? Deus scoffed. Old enough. The door of the Veer house opened and slammed shut, drawing rast's attention to his mother running out into the street. What are you doing?! She shouted as she ran up to the door of the shuttle, focused on Deus. You get out of here. Ma'am, Deus said, nodding a civil greeting. I don't care how bad things are getting, you can't have him too. Deus simply looked over to Ras. Three days. Ras stepped out of the shuttle to be with his mother, who threw her arms around her son. I thought I lost you, she said, tightening her embrace. The engine was hit hard. She released him, then began walking back toward their house. You have a lot of explaining to do. It took about ten minutes for Ras to relay the conversation with Hal to his mother, who sat stone-faced at the kitchen table. No, absolutely not. You will not have anything to do with that man. But this is a chance to save Verdant, Ras said, gesturing wildly. That's what your father said, and I don't see Verdant saved or him either. Let someone else go. I'm not losing you, too. Mom, what if someone else goes and fails? What then? Ras yelled. What if you fail? She retorted. You don't even have a ship. This... "'This is a moot point. You don't have a license, and nobody is going to give you a loan. And then what if you get caught piloting illegally?' Rass narrowed his eyes. "'Just tell me that you don't think I'm capable, or that if Dad the Hero was killed, then little Rassy won't even make it past the bowl.' "'Honey, please don't make me lose you too,' she said. She took a deep breath to steady herself. "'You took after me instead of your father.' "'What?' When your dad built the Silver Fox, I was going to be his navigator, but when we went out on our first few runs, he never found anything. We thought it was a fluke, but after a dozen runs with nothing to show for it, I moved back into this house, and we had you. You're not a knack like your father. You're... Please don't say I'm a lack. Rass said. "'Maybe I'm not an act, and maybe I'll never be as good as Dad, "'but I'm not going to spend the rest of my life "'knowing I turned down the opportunity to fix things "'after ruining so many lives. "'Don't let me die inside like that, "'because you know I would, and so would you.' "'Rath stormed out of the kitchen and slammed the front door, "'almost running into Callie on the front porch. "'She looked at him wide-eyed as she tried to compose herself. "'I'm sorry,' she said. "'How much of that did you hear?' he asked. "'As little as you need me to have,' she said. Thanks. Is your family alright? Callie shrugged. After the attacks, my dad went to the docks. A biplane landed on our ship, so we're not going anywhere for a while. Ras felt guilty for feeling relieved. Did the Collective come back? She gave him a confused look. No. After about an hour of bombarding, they just stopped. She paused. So, was Mr. Hat actually Napier? No. Oh. I would've made for a good twist though, right? She offered a little smile as if encouraging ras to give it a try so he really wants you to go into the wild ras met her eyes there was always something excited behind them when things went wrong it wasn't that she enjoyed pain or suffering but the idea that real life could look like the stories she often read mixed into the bit of naivete that told her everything would turn up all right by the end he took a deep breath and let it go slowly i need a ship first he said keep your eyes open i won't blink